Dear friends in Christ, may God's grace, that's his undeserved love, and his mercy, that, that love put into action in our lives, and his peace, which is the result of that love, may they all be yours through faith in our transfigured Lord. Sometimes all you need is a glimpse. And you know that word, a glimpse, just that, that quick little view. And, and it can change your mind, it can change your perspective. And I want you to think about how often that actually happens. People pay millions of dollars to have advertisements put in the middle of the Super Bowl. Why? Because they just want to catch your eye with a glimpse, maybe a, a 30-second ad, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the big game, your thoughts turn from football to a new car or something delicious to eat or some type of insurance or you fill in the blank. It's just a glimpse. That's all they need because they know that if you get that in your mind, then perhaps you'll be thinking about it for days to come. A glimpse is sometimes all we need, and it's not just from a marketing perspective. You think about on those trying times of your life where you feel like things are all trending in the wrong direction, and you're saying, I just need a glimpse of hope. It's, it's the teacher who has been struggling all year long because that student is not just challenging, but they're wondering, will the student be able to, to put the concepts together? And then it happens. There's just a glimpse where all of a sudden things start to click and it gives you that incentive to keep going. It's the, it's the mother of the toddler. You know the toddler that can push every button possible and multiple times? to fray you. But then they have that day where everything seems to come together. It's a glimpse of, of what might come and it, it's the motivation to move forward. It's those emotional moments that you hear soldiers talk about. Soldiers who are stationed overseas and all they see for, for days on end is the barracks and the responsibilities of their, of their patrol. And then they look to the screenshot on their iPhone and they see their family. Just that glimpse, it carries them through. You know who needed to see a glimpse? Were three men, Peter, James, and John. And if those names sound familiar to you, it's probably because you've, you've heard them in the context of the Bible. These would be the men who Jesus might consider to be his best friends his inner circle, part of his group of disciples. And today on the day of transfiguration, we get to think about the glimpse of glory that these men saw and why that's significant for them but also for us. And so I want to, I want to read the account for you and then let's talk about that glimpse of glory. It's Matthew 17, starting with verse 1. This is how... It's recorded for us. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, 
James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. It's the word of our Lord. You see, Jesus was going to provide for James, Peter, and John that glimpse of glory that he knew they needed. Let me explain why it was such a, an important moment in the, the history of the, those disciples and their time together with Jesus. Just, just go back to those opening words. It says, after six days, Scripture doesn't always put timelines on everything that happens in Jesus' ministry, and yet when it does, it's because it's, it's tying together some important events. Six days is a relatively short period of time unless it's a period of time filled with angst and confusion. And so let me explain what was going on. After six days, and what's the after part? You go back to the end of chapter 16. Jesus had just had a very heart-to-heart conversation with his disciples where he laid out his plan to save the world. And he spoke so openly and so directly to his disciples, but you can almost see the bubble start to burst because the disciples had different thoughts in mind as they were following their fearless leader. So what does Jesus say? Jesus reminds them that he is on the road to death. He reminds them that he is on a road that will take them to suffering. He reminds them that they are going to come to a place where he must give his life at the hands of his enemies. And no one wants to hear that. That's not our idea of a good time, is to take our fearless leader and watch him be handed over to suffer and to die. And so what do you expect the disciples to do? They come to his defense, and there he is, bold Peter, the Peter that we love, He does what I would like to think you and I would do as well. He comes to his Savior's defense. And so what does Peter say? It says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you, he says. 
It's kind of the the pep-up talk that Peter thought Jesus needed to hear, to which Jesus promptly said, Get behind me, Satan. As a general truth, you don't want to call one of your best friends Satan. And yet, what did Peter do? Peter, with his human intelligence, just like you and I, he couldn't fathom why this would have to unfold the way that Jesus said. And so he wants to stop the plan that needs to happen. And and, and that really is the devil trying to get his way. And so after the the bubble had been burst and the men, the disciples, had in their mind that that Jesus was on a path to the cross, you can almost imagine Jesus reading the room, reading the disciples, seeing their, their forlorn appearance and thinking, I know exactly what they need. A glimpse of glory. And so they go on a trip. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Why did they go up this mountain? They went up on this mountain because the disciples were trying to pull rank on Jesus. The disciples were starting to argue with the plan that had to fulfill itself. And so why is Jesus taking us up that same mountain this morning? It's because we do the exact same thing. We do the exact same thing when we forget who Jesus is. We do the exact same thing when we we get frustrated with the happenings of this world because we have created for ourselves in our estimation the way that God must act in our lives And when it doesn't happen the way we have programmed it, we get frustrated and we say, what's the deal, Jesus? I'm starting to think that we're not on the same page. And so Jesus says, you need a glimpse of glory to remind you who's in control. And so if you feel that way, if you feel at times that the way that you have drawn up your life is not exactly in line with what reality is, and you're trying to figure out what could God possibly have in store, get in line with the disciples as we go up the mountain. There it says, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I don't know what else we can say other than use that word transfigure. It, it's not a word that we use in regular speech and it's not a word that maybe we rightly understand. And it's a, a concept that goes so far beyond what our mind wants to handle, but basically what it's saying is Jesus allowed his form to display who he truly was. He transfigured himself. Which is the way of saying that Jesus, the one who was born in Bethlehem but prophesied since the Garden of Eden, true God and true man, was allowing the disciples to see him for who he truly was. 
Yes, true man. But the Son of God, he wanted them to mind their master. He wanted to pull rank on them because every time we want to go to Jesus and rebuke him and say, Jesus, it's not supposed to be this way, Jesus needs to say, you need to mind your master and your master is I. I am the one who is calling the shots here because I have what is best for your eternal souls in my mind. And so you can imagine as the disciples went up that mountain and then they saw the glory of the Lord shine all around them. And what else happened? Did you hear it? Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. I don't know who you think your most two impressive friends are. You know, the, when you're trying to name drop people, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if you know this, but in my neighborhood, we have one of the Houston Astros living. And you kind of just throw that out there thinking it's going to make people think you're pretty cool. Jesus just showed up with Moses and Elijah. Probably two of the biggest names from the Old Testament. Two of the men who, who were used by God to present incredible truths, bookends of the story of salvation in many ways. And there Jesus is in their midst and they're discussing things. You see the jaw drop and then you see the terror. Because all of a sudden they have minded their master. They're realizing we do not rebuke you. You get to rebuke us if you choose. And that's exactly the place that we need to be is in the presence of the holy God. This is God himself in Jesus saying, what does he say? Or excuse me, Peter, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I think that's a summary statement that makes sense. It's good for us to be here. All this silliness about you going to Jerusalem to die, it's good for us to be here right now because we want to see you like that. Almighty God, we want to see you like that, hanging out with Elijah and Moses. It's good for us to be here. In fact, let's set up some tents. We can stay here forever, and life will be good. Now we need to be reminded why it needed to be a glimpse of glory. Because Jesus needed them to mind their master, but also be mindful of his mission. And so even as Peter is talking, perhaps what sounds like foolishness, then another voice appears, and it's none other than God the Father. This is my son whom I love, he says. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's such a simple message. But what God is doing is he's calling attention to the words and the work of Christ and he's saying, for the love, listen to him. Turn off your minds. Turn off the way you think things ought to be going and just keep your focus on the Savior. Listen to him. And when that divine voice from heaven came, the reaction was instantaneous. Peter, James, and John, they hit the deck. Terror and fear. Because there they know 
In their sinfulness, they're in the presence of perfection. There they understand their shortcomings. There they understand that who are they to question God? And there they're content to last. But Jesus isn't content to watch them struggle with insecurity. But in the next event, he makes them very mindful of his mission. And here's my favorite part of this entire account. But Jesus came and he touched them. What was the last image that these men had as they buried their eyes in the ground? It was the presence of the Almighty God, a terrifying image because of his glory. And they buried their heads in the ground and they do not want to look at his glory because they see their shortcomings and they're frightened for their very lives. And then they feel that gentle touch. And when they lift up their heads, they see him. It's Jesus. The God who became man. And you have to wonder what they were thinking as they were going back down the mountain. Who is this that we have? It's the God who has become man and he didn't want to stay on the mountain, but rather he has now focused us and his thoughts on another mountain. We, we don't know exactly which mountain was the Mount of Transfiguration, but I want you to imagine there they are on the top of the mountain and looking off into the the horizon, they see another peak. And whether it's a literal peak or, or just think of the illustration, you see Jesus setting his sights now on, on Mount Calvary. The place where he would give his life. And Jesus now no longer transfigured, but rather showing himself in his human nature he leads them down the mountain into the valley on the way to Jerusalem to endure the sufferings and the persecutions to be put on a cross at which place you will see his greater glory. Be mindful of his mission. His mission is to take who he is, true God and true man, and to be that perfect sacrifice and substitute for you. And you have to wonder, when Peter, James, and John were standing in Gethsemane, when they were witnessing him being hoisted on a cross, that glimpse of glory, who is this? It's the true Son of God. We trust his plan. Oh, there would be plenty of other sinful shortcomings, plenty of times where they would be questioning it again, but that glimpse of glory meant so much. Did you hear how Peter talked about it in the second lesson? We were eyewitnesses. And so also we. You and I get to go on a journey in the next couple of weeks. We always refer to journey as this 40 day, we always refer to Lent as this journey of 40 days where we perhaps descend into the valley and maybe we become even more mindful of who we are as sinners. We become perhaps more mindful of our shortcomings. But do you see who goes down there with us? It's the one who shone like the sun. 
It's our Savior. And we follow him into that valley because we know that he will come up again to give his life as the greatest glory when he gives it on the cross. And we are declared free, declared innocent, declared forgiven of our sins. This glimpse of glory will be enough to satisfy us until we see that greater glory on Good Friday and the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. May you leave here mindful of who our master is, true God and true man in Jesus, and ever mindful of his mission. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.